You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is Bucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson. But before we kind of pivot from this road trip a little bit, um, one of the top takeaways for me, aside from them getting closer to that full 60 minutes of hockey success for this team, is the the rising, I, I can't say rising Phoenix. I'm trying to still find a cool term for him. Maybe you can help me with it. But Nick Purvix, he opens right. up this road trip with a goal and a point. He had a hell of a game versus the Blues. And to be, you know, 24 years old, getting his NHL shot, he's coming in as such a perfect puzzle piece to this system, which puts so many question marks on some of the guys who are having more inconsistent performances on defense and trade deadlines coming up. There's a lot of question marks about where to stack first. You get a guy who's known to be a shooter that you just feed him and he can help contribute to putting pucks on net. Or do you tighten up the defense a lot more first Um, thoughts on Nick Perbix and what your first move would kind of be defenseman or a shooter. Yeah. So, you know, we, we did talk to Julian Breezeball the other day and, you know, it's funny because, you know, when you think about where this team sat in September, October, you know, going into training camp, you know, obviously the big question was how do you kind of re retool this defense, you know, together, especially after losing such a monumental person like Ryan McDonough, you know, and, you know, Jan Ruda, you know, and those are two guys who are, you know, a big part of the, you know, the top six and, you know, you had to figure out a way to do it. And, and, and they've done a good job of, of doing it. You know, they initially thought that, you know, Ian Cole would be one of those guys and he has been, you know, but the right. evolution, and I don't even know what the right was, but the, the rise, the, it is a rising really, because. Yeah. I, I almost called him a rising Phoenix, right, but he's not, right, because, he, he right. didn't do that yet. <laughs> right. Because there's no one, no one, th- I don't think anyone thought that he would be, I think, I think everyone in the organization thought that he would be a part of this team but I don't think that anyone thought that he would be as big a part of this team as he become. And, yep. you know, he's one of those guys, like when, when I watched him in training camp and just from talking to him and, you know, we, for young, young guys, like when you talk to him, you can kind of tell a little bit of what they're about. And Nick Perfect has always been a guy who kind of is so level headed and you can tell that, you know, the, the spotlight doesn't get to him. And like, you could tell that very early about him. And I think the way he plays shows that is that, you know, there's no real moment that's too big for him. He doesn't get panicky at all about anything. So, you know, and I think that's what's allowed him to not just be a big part of this team, but be a part of it where you're comfortable putting a guy who has what 45 games, you know, less than 45 games under his belt along with anyone. You can put him with the Victor Hedman. You can put him, you know, you have to play a totally different game playing with Victor Hedman than you do playing with, you know, Ian Cole or, you know, playing with even Mikhail Sergachev, you know, but so, he's become one of these guys who you've really kind of, you know, you, he's become trustworthy very quickly. 
And yes. um, that's one of the reasons why, you know, they were able, they, they wanted to lock them up because, you know, any opportunity you get to get a player uh, at a cost that you can dictate that's cost friendly, you have to do it if you're in this, this situation the Lightning are in because they don't have that cap space. So um, Nick Purvis has kind of been the perfect storm to kind of help them with the cap situation uh, moving forward. So, you know, he's obviously, he was going to be a restricted free agent at the, I think at the end of the year. Um, but now you've got him for two more years. So that's kind of the, you know, I was talking to Victor Hedman about this several weeks ago, but kind of, you know, this team had so much stability on defense and they kind of didn't at the beginning of the year, but very quickly they've been able to kind of do that. And I think now it's, it's just kind of that, that kind of consistency of, of protecting your own end. And it's just like, sometimes we do see, you know, whether it's, you know, they're losing their legs or they just lose assignments or another team just kind of maybe a little bit faster than them. And, you know, before they know it, they're watching the puck go in their net. But, you know, I do think that, that the, they're, when you're looking at how, what do they do over the next six weeks when you're approaching the trade deadline, there's so many obstacles that you have, you know, and, and, and the major obstacle is like, how can you add? Because you're so <laughs> struck, you know, you're so hamstrung against the cap. So, um, and everything that they're going to have to do is going to have to be like a player in, player out kind of thing. More similar to like the Nick Paul trade where they lost a player in Matthew Joseph. And I think trade a fourth round pick to get a guy like Nick Paul who they thought would help them uh, help them in the sense of, you know, adding a little bit more physicality, playing heavy uh, in a kind of a, a bottom six forward kind of role than necessarily Matthew Joseph was going to do. And um, versus necessarily like a Brandon Hagel's trade where they unload and give, you know, two draft picks and a couple <laughs> NHL caliber players to Chicago. You know what I mean? That's, they're not going to be, I don't think they're going to be able to do that this year. You know what I mean? Like, when you look at what they Yeah, I can't imagine who they would do that for. Right. Um, right. With the roster they have now, it'd be terrifying. Right. And I know, I know like there were a lot of fans last year, this, you know, the beginning of the year were like, oh, well, the Brandon Hagel trade, you know, wasn't a great trade. And now you're probably looking at it being like, wow, like <laughs> this guy has, you know, almost 20 goals. Bagel and, train. Right. Right. And, you know, <laughs> he's going to be with the team for another, you know, two years and he's an RFA after that. So you can keep him around. So he can be, that's one great thing about this this pro scouting department and the analytics department that they've worked together to try to kind of figure out that's the thing that, that I mean, like it's one thing to be hamstrung against the cap and being able to only do certain things, but also to recognize when you have that, that hindrance, but also to, you know, be able to find guys who aren't just going to help you for this, this run, but help you down the road, you know, and obviously, you know, there's so much stuff that goes into it. I think a big part of it is too, is the room, you know, like you talk to Brandon Hagel and you talk to Nick Paul and they, the first thing they talk about is how, they were shocked at how welcoming everyone was for such a veteran room with a bunch of stars in it and how they felt so welcome. Like whether that like, like their girlfriends and wives were getting calls, like welcoming them to town and Hey, what do you need? Like, like anything you need, let us know. So, you know, that's a big reason why Nick Paul decided to stay, you know, he was like, I want this to be home for my next seven years. So, you know, they're so good at all these things to, and they have to be because of the cap situation. But I do think that if, if they're going to do something, it's going to be a similar kind of trade to like a Nick Paul thing. And it's going to be kind of one of those guys who you want to kind of play a bottom six kind of role um, and kind of be a guy who can, you know, play a heavy style of play, play physical, but also is going to play a, a responsible level, get puck, you know, the whole cliche, get pucks deep and, 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 and stuff yeah. like that. That's going to, that's going to help them, kind of 
because I, I do think that when you talk about defense, a big part of defense is not chasing the puck. And so the puck possession game of playing down low and, and keeping it, I mean, what, what Pat Maroon honestly has done the past few months since he moved to that third line, if they could get another guy that's kind of like that, um, yes. and, and, they, and they might be able to, you know, I mean, those guys are kind of cheap, but you know, at this point, like this point, it's still so early that like the market really hasn't really revealed itself. One, because there's a lot of teams that still think they're in it, whether they are or not, like, but there, but also too, like, you really don't know who's available yet. So, I mean, the Nick Paul thing kind of came, came together pretty quickly. Like they, they knew that, you know, the Ottawa was kind of trying to renegotiate with him to try to get him to stay, but it was very quickly between the time that they knew that they weren't going to be, re- be able to resign him and, you know, the deal was made. So some of these things come together so quickly and they come together late. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that's that's kind of the, the thing they're going to do. I think they're honestly, they like to kind of upgrade that kind of fourth line, another option kind of on the fourth line, yes. third line kind of guy that they can kind of, um, that kind of plays that kind of heavy kind of puck possession kind of game. Because that's all too, like those are, those are the guys that kind of help you win in the postseason, you know, and, you know, Mm-hmm. You know, Blake, Blake Coleman and Bar- Bar- Blake Coleman's a 20 goal scorer, but what helped him, what helped the part of his game that helped them win a cup was the way just how physical he was and just like, how much of a gnat he kind of was and, and, and stuff like that on, on, on the defensive end, obviously the penalty kill for guys like him and Goodrow, like guys like that, you know, I think those are the kind of the guys that you look for, but obviously they're not going to be able to spend uh, first round draft picks to get them like they did know those two guys so. <laughs> no please save those but i'm actually glad that you mentioned that comparison because i often think about a guy like barclay goodrow and how he wasn't talked about enough you know he may have not been putting a bunch of pucks on net but in the same sense he was doing enough of another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's, it's the small details, right? And sometimes those small details are what help these guys win the most important games. And so I think that's what would help contribute to that bottom six, as you've mentioned. And also speaking of Pat Maroon, in, in my personal opinion, or at least from what much I caught, I felt like the, a big turnaround for him was that road trip where they opened up versus the Buffalo Sabres. All of a sudden, you know, he was helping with the puck management. The giveaway total still freaks me out, but mm-hmm. it's that sound hockey that, as you said, helps the defensemen. So maybe the goal is to find another sound player that can get the small details done maybe more strong of a two-way player because we don't have as many two-way guys as you did when you had that third line, you know, the, the year before last. Yeah, I think that, just, yeah, just adding oh, on no, to that, I think, I think that, like, they'd like to see more contributions and even strength from, like, those fourth-line guys. You know, yesterday we see Corey Perry get a couple goals on the power play, but, you know, they really haven't gotten that that balance top to bottom, you know. And I think in the postseason you're, you're going to win because – all Brady lines point, are involved. Coach are off and, and Steven Stamkos are scoring goals, but you're going to need those contributions even more from those, those bottom line guys. And you're going to need them in even strength. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's great that Corey Perry got a couple goals last night and those were really cool because like, you know, he's such a, he's like such a presence down there in front of the net, but like 
they they just need a little bit more. And like they've tried to tinker with it, you know, moving Maroon up, moving the Mestikov down to give a little bit of a speed there. And I just don't think that they've necessarily gotten gotten enough from from that from that group. I mean, I I, I love how the third line has kind of evolved with Colton and, and and Paul and Maroon because I think that those guys have they I think they just kind of feed off each other. And then that's the thing, like when you're switching pairings and you're switching lines and stuff like that. You're trying to find these three guys that work together. But when you think about it, you know, when Maroon first came up, you know, he learned a lot of playing, you know, a heavy game from Pat Maroon. And Nick yeah. Paul is that kind of player. And he's, you know, he's do it all Nick Paul. He can basically do whatever you want him to <laughs> do, put all. him in whatever position that you can you can put him in. So I, I I like how they've kind of evolved that line. And I just think now it's kind of that that fourth line that they just need a little bit more contribution from, you know right now and, and and if they look to do something it's going to be kind of you know where, where do we kind of do this now obviously what another factor here is rudolph balsers who's coming back from injury pretty soon he's on he was on a, um i think he has two games left on uh his conditioning assignment in syracuse so they'll have to make a decision on him too pretty soon he's one of these guys who kind of like nemestikov a little bit is like has some speed to his game you know he can play well with the puck but really hasn't you know become one of those guys. No one's gotten that spark in him yet. Right, or, right. No one's so, brought that spark to him yet. Right. And, and, and they like him a lot, but you know, he, and, and, you know, I'm sure he'll get a, you know, maybe a hard look. I don't know how at this point, but I think, you know, he's one of those guys that he'll take a look at too. You know I mean? Sometimes it's, it's the guys who are coming off injury that are almost kind of like key acquisitions at the end. But um, I do think that, you know, Julian Breezeball every year, he'll say it's going to be tough to do it, but somehow every but he year <laughs> he's able to do it. And it's always a guy yeah. who like helps them get, you know, where they need to get. So mm-hmm. um, in, in, in breeze ball, we trust with some of this stuff, but uh, like I said, I, I think it's still, you know, six, six weeks before five weeks before whatever it is, it's still pretty early. Cause just because I think the market hasn't really kind of uh, yeah. you know, found itself. Fully popped off yet. It's funny because I, I swear almost for dramatic effect at this point, every time he says it's going to be tough to do and then magic happens and you're like, but yeah. seriously, how, how? Um, right. But yeah, you, you kind of took it the words right out of my mouth with the conversation of the fourth line. Um, there's moments where they're silent for games at a time. And obviously Cooper throws them in the blender, tries to see who's going to help create that spark. It still doesn't really happen. And then you see, you know, Corey Perry put up two goals last night. I think he, he does so well with when they need a guy to help step up and take away the goalie's eyes, he can be that person. That's where yeah, I kind sure. of see Perry come to life the most. And last night was a perfect example of that great long shot from, from Ross Colton twice. And he was able to capitalize on it. You think a guy like Corey Perry, even though he has the veteran presence, you kind of know what his strengths are at this point. Would he be somebody who's on the chopping block when it comes to the deadline or do they, do they feed off the veteran presence that helps get them across these finish lines? Because you know, the veteran group, the leadership, the, you know, there's no big ego in that locker room of many hockey teams. I think that that's something that plays into the favor of the lightning success. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it's a tough call because I think it's, you know, Corey Perry is obviously a valuable player to them. One, because he does contribute on the power play. And again, his still at the age that he's at, which I think is like 37 or 38, like he's, he still has the hands to be, a net presence guy. And when he's in front there, he not only, you know, creates that presence, but he agitates, you know I mean? Like you could see, I think right before the second goal yesterday, like um, I think so 
I actually I literally just looked at it, so I kind of have it fresh in my mind. But you know, right when he came on, Stamkos had a one timer from the from the left circle that the flurry kind of gets in the way of. But but Corey Perry's right there with his stick blade right there, and almost mm-hmm. like flurry literally like takes his glove and like pushes pushes like Corey Perry's helmet like like by his helmet like down. So it's like like what Corey Perry does in so many ways, kind of like what Pat Maroon does sometimes. And what I think Ross Colton is trying to do a little bit, adding to his game is like. Mm-hmm. There's so much of the mental part of it that you try to add. And sometimes it, you know, sometimes it does backfire, but you know, like Corey Perry is such a guy that his presence on the ice creates a different kind of mentality for an opponent. They're like, oh man, it's Corey, Corey Perry. I mean, it's you know, it's guy. like they know like these guys know it's like they're playing against them for so many years, too. And it's like, you know, so he's one of those guys that has so much inherent value, maybe even when he's not scoring or when he's not in front of the net, he just does so much different stuff. Now, sometimes that goes to a little bit, and I don't think Corey Perry's the most penalties guy on this team. I, I definitely don't think he is, but like, you know, <laughs> the one thing that these guys have struggled with and they've been able to overcome is the penalties. And they've been one of the most penalized teams in the league consistently over the past like four or five years. Four. They've been able to overcome it, one, because they get their own share of penalties, and two, because, you know, they just have they just have skill <laughs> and <laughs> excuse me. And so, you know, I think that one of the bigger questions is how do you kind of overcome that? Because I do think that when you look at some of the goals that they've allowed, they've allowed sh- shorthanded goals and they've allowed some pretty big goals on, you know, on the PK and um, you know, so are they good enough now with all the turnover to kind of overcome some of that other stuff, you know, but um to answer your question like i don't know like i don't know who you pluck out of there out of that you know bottom line or anything like that i mean i think it's probably more about the guy you get versus you know who you replace but also like yeah i mean so i mean that's that's kind of the the guys that like you know and what they're more comfortable with because you know they're not gonna they're not gonna try to move a guy when um you know, if they don't think that's going to make them an all-around better team, but also better at each position, kind of, you know, or, you know, gotcha. this is what Corey adds with net presence, you know, agitating, blah, blah, blah. So if we lose that, then what are we getting in return that's going to make us a better team? But, I see. Um, but yeah, so, but all this stuff is so calculated um, by, like, the scouts and the analytics department that, you know, work very, very closely together and give Julian all the information that he needs when, when he's making these decisions. But, um I mean, also, too, another thing to think about, and I don't know if this necessarily happens too much at the trade deadline, more like in the in the offseason, but you know, just going back to the cap constraints that this team faces, and very very little people think about the fact that they still have long-term injury, long-term injured reserve exemption on Brent Seabrook's contract, which allows them to oh. go over the cap like six point six point seven five million dollars. That's an asset, you know. So Maybe maybe you're you're getting something like that for a player too, something like that, because that goes off the books next year. So as much as like right now, I think they've committed like $80 million of an $83.5 million cap to 14 players, you know, only 14 players mm-hmm. that are signed right now. So you're going to have to either make some drastic cuts or acquire some kind of long-term injured reserve cap space, uh, you know, to even get under. So, you know, there's what Breezewell calls this cap gymnastics that they have to perform. But that's also something, too, that could be, you know, at play. Like I said, I think that's mostly people, teams mostly trade for that in the 
in the offseason. I mean, that's what they did to get the Seabrook. I think it was the Tyler Johnson trade with Chicago mm-hmm. to get that dead contract money back. Um, and obviously they were they had to move Tyler Johnson too because, you know, it's kind of in and out. It's like a what I need to get rid of yep. versus what you need to get rid of. So, um, so, but, you know, versus right now, which is more like, okay, what do we need to get us over the hump? What's going to make us a tougher? And this is what they always say when they talk about this. What's going to make us a tougher out in the playoffs? And again, just knowing how postseason hockey works, I just think that that's, that's one of those things that they, you know, that's kind of the target that they need. Obviously, you know, I think, I think when you look at the defenseman personnel, like they're okay, you know, it's just those guys probably need to tighten up, you know, in in some of those situations. You You think that they're, they're capable of elevating their game rather than having to bring somebody else in to do it. Yeah. I mean, like, let's face it, like, Victor Hedman hasn't had the best season of his career. No. Um, I feel like he hasn't been the same since the West Coast trip. Yeah. And and the injury that he collected then. Right. You know, Mikhail Sergachev, I love I love his game and everything he can do, but there's sometimes when he just gets caught in his own end Mm -hmm. or makes a bad turnover that leads to an odd man rush. And if those guys can just kind of like tighten up, you know, kind of their games a little bit, um, you've got some very responsible defensemen in that in that you know, top, top seven. You know I mean, like even, you know, Hayden Fleury's not, not a bad defenseman, you know, like he's, every time he's been put in there, I think he's done pretty well. So, um, so you have depth, you have, um, you, know, you have the guys. I just think that they just, they, just, they just need to tighten up. And sometimes that comes, you know, sometimes that comes like the whole process of a season. And this is so different than other sports. I feel like, is that like the regular season really is a dress rehearsal for, you know, the postseason, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they care less. They want to make the playoffs. And outside of that, they care less about how many points they have at the end of the year versus how well they're playing, you know, come mid-April, you know, when the, right. when the postseason starts. So, you know, and, and we've seen that in years past with even like, you know, what they've overcome and then gotten in the postseason, whether it's, you know, you get all of a sudden, boom, here's Nikita Kucherov after being away for a, a year or what they had to overcome with missing Steven Stamkos the year before that, you know, so. Yep. Um, there's a lot there at play and, and it all kind of comes to this, this grand finish line, you know, once, once the postseason starts. So there's nothing really to worry about. Like I said, like the goals that they've allowed are, are a little concerning, but um, because I think it's, I think before last night, it was three goals a game, which is the most that they've allowed through 45 games in the John Cooper era. So, um, but again, that's 45 games into the season, you know, um, you would think that they will be, that they'll, they'll break that number down. And they have in the past, even, you know, by the end of the season. Yeah. And Cooper does say three goals is way too many. That's where he gets right. a little fired up. Exactly. And we love oh, to see that makes him too. Yeah, exactly. Right. He does it still in such a calm, collected way. He's the terrifying parent that has the tone. You know, you never want to hear the tone. That's my mother, by the way. <laughs> um, but Yes, I, I I actually love that you that you brought that perspective into it and and had the angle of you know this, these defensemen are good enough. It's just it's time for that next year because the conversations are you know we need a defenseman, we need somebody to help bail us out of the right. inconsistency. And it's like yeah, but the consistency is still top notch hockey, top in the league. This team is still being talked about amongst you know top seven, top eight teams. 